Hi, babes. Welcome to The Pleasure Portal, a podcast for women desiring to embody their fierce, wild, feminine magic, reclaim their deepest soul desires, and unleash the passion, pleasure, and fulfillment they know in their bones is their birthright. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant, a love, intimacy, and relationship educator and pleasure alchemist. I'm curious, has your pleasure ever been on the back burner? Have you ever felt like your pleasure doesn't matter? Have you experienced your feminine power being minimized, ignored, or suppressed? If so, this is the place for you. Because in this podcast, we're writing a whole new story together. We're a community of fierce femmes who are done with the binds of repression. We're the women who desire a pleasurable sex life, sacred connection with ourselves, and intimate partnership with another without having to give up or hide parts of who we are. We're the modern witches who, until now, have had to hide or suppress our sacred gifts. Together, we're unhooking from the binds that mute our greatest expression. We're dialing up that turn on full tilt. We're creating right relationship with our emotions, our power, our enchantment alchemy, and our womb wisdom. Each episode, I'll bring to you a mix of pleasure alchemy, embodiment education, love, sex, and relationship insights, and ultimately an invitation home to your fierce feminine magic. We are reclaiming it all. Down and in we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pleasure Portal podcast. I know it has been a minute, hasn't it? It's uh this, this eclipse season has been wild and not in a bad way. It's just, there's been a lot that I've been digesting, exploring, and there's been a lot of disassembling things that I've built and reassembling them. And like the pieces are getting kind of restructured and put back together. So it's just required a lot of my devotion, a lot of my presence, a lot of my heart. And, you know, there are certain things that have to kind of be put on pause, but we're back. We're back. (laughs) And I'm really excited to release the remaining episodes for season one. And recently I've been really playing with a couple new offerings for everybody because the thing about the higher level programs is that it's obviously not accessible for everybody. And so I wanted to create options for people who want to deepen their relationship with the work that I do, with conscious relating, with relationships, with the divine feminine, pleasure, all the things and have it be in a container that is accessible for where they're at. So I'm very excited. In the next few weeks, I will be opening the doors to the Queen Coven. And this is my membership site. And I'm so excited. We're going to be doing all the witchy things in there. We're going to be diving into sisterhood. We're going to be diving into the divine feminine and, you know, of course, conscious relating. Because to me, relationships are everything. Everything is relationship. And I couldn't (laughs) release any program that does not have some element of relational mastery and exploration. So that will be coming out 
real soon. And I also have, I'll be re-releasing my one day events. These were events that I was doing a few years ago and you know, life happens. And so I stopped doing them and now I'm going to start doing them again. <laughs> and they are one day explorations. They're longer workshops, longer form workshops that really contain transmission teachings from me. We will be doing some embodiment practices and then there will be space for digestion and integration and, you know, getting to work with me on, you know, a micro level there. So those are two really exciting new offerings. And then I will have my level two membership, which is a necessary membership to go through in order to work with me in any higher level programs. And it is a reconfiguration of my year of love mastery class. And so my team and I will be working on that over the summer and that should be ready to go um, either by late summer or early fall. And that is very exciting. And I will be in there on a monthly basis doing three-hour trainings along with your curriculum that goes along with that. And that membership is a year-long commitment. And so lots of new stuff has been brewing. I haven't just been sitting around twiddling my thumbs, although some days like that's that's all I've had capacity to do. But for the most part, it's been this beautiful experience of you know, allowing things to fall apart so better things can come together. And this is such an important premise of the feminine. And if we want to live a pleasure-filled life, we want to live a magic-filled life, if we want to live a life that feels rich in connection, we have to be able to go through these portals of transition where we have to let certain things fall apart and fall away and allow the rupture in order to really reclaim our power. And we need to root down in order to rise up. And sometimes the things that we have built or the connections that we have, they're not actually in service to truth. They're not in service to the deeper truth within us. And so we got to let them go. And as human beings, that's really fucking hard sometimes, isn't it? And so um, in order to be able to really guide these levels of initiation in such a profound way, I too have to walk that path of initiation and it's constant. You know, I'm not always in a, a deep descend, <laughs> but the portals of initiation happen and they will continue to happen as I widen my scope of my teaching and widen my capacity to love. And so that's where I've been at. That's what I've been up to. I'm excited to be back with all of you. I've got, I think we've got about 12 episodes that are already recorded and ready to go to close out season one of the podcast. And I'll probably sprinkle in a few solo episodes in there as well. And Today, we have a beautiful guest. Her name is Brooke Yancey. She is one of my dear sisters. And we really got into the exploration of conscious relationship and the relationship that conscious relating has to our embodiment and our expression. And 
Brooke is such a beautiful guide and a teacher. She's been teaching dance for, well, as long as I've known her, and I know she was teaching it long before she met me. And dance has been such a beautiful alchemy and medicine for her. And recently she has started to expand her teaching scope to include conscious relating, divine feminine, like, of course, of course, like we're, we're really good friends (laughs) and we have a lot of alignment. And so I'm very excited to bring her on the podcast today and explore this conversation of conscious relationship. And she speaks to it from the lens of how conscious relationship is woven into a marriage and how embodiment, you know, is such a a beautiful medicine that supports conscious relating, but also just supports our greatest embodiment of who we truly are. The truth of who we are is much easier to access when we are in fluid movement with our body. And what I love most about Brooke, well, there's many things I love about her, but one of the things that I really love and appreciate about Brooke is her stance that you don't have to be a classically trained dancer to dance. Every single person on this planet has that code of dancer in them. And it's just a matter of unraveling some of the conditioning that we might have about what being a dancer means in order to connect to that joy and that expression that is such a natural language, a language that literally every single country and continent on this planet understands. Everyone understands the language of dance. And she's such a beautiful conduit and teacher And I'm so excited for her to be here with us today, and I'm thrilled to introduce her to you. And without any further ado, let's dive in. This is a great conversation. Let me know your biggest takeaways and your insights from the episode, because I love hearing that. I love hearing how these conversations are impacting you and how they're relevant in your life. And if you really are enjoying these conversations, please do share the podcast with someone who could really benefit from hearing this conversation today. And I am really looking forward to being back with you. And here we go. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Pleasure Portal podcast. I am really thrilled today to share with you my beautiful, beautiful friend, Brooke Yancey. She, oh my gosh, y'all are going to love her. She is like pleasure, movement, embodiment galore. This woman just radiates joy, light, sweetness, fun. Like you are so fun, Brooke. You are one of the funnest people that I have had the pleasure of meeting in my time in Vancouver. And I I honestly can never remember where we actually met or how we came to collide that first day. I'm, I'm just grateful that we did because it was like, oh, I remember, I remember you. Oh yeah, we've done this before in other lifetimes. Like, oh yeah, come on, sister, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Totally, like a total recognition. Yeah, a total absolutely. connection. Yeah. And at the time, you were teaching. I think you still are teaching classes to 
you know, elementary schools and kids. And I remember going to this one dance class you did in a park at Granville Island. And like, I was like an assistant with you. And I was like doing the dances in this park with all these kids and like trying to get all these families to come and move and dance. And like, that's so my jam. Like my jam is joy. My jam is vibrancy. And for you know, a little while after some tumultuous relating, I had forgotten that about myself. And you helped me remember and reclaim that part that is so essential to who I am. And I love seeing you in your joy. I love seeing you as a teacher because you light up the room and then you see, like I see everyone that you're teaching start to pop and light up and their eyes fill with inspiration again and you get them back into their body where they belong. And I think you're just so special and I'm very, very excited to share you and your brilliance with my audience today. So thank you. Wow. Thank you. I'm going to cry. That was so beautiful. I feel so seen and so loved in that recognition. Mm. Um, it's definitely one of my passions is, is helping people remember that. And I also have gone through times where I've completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I know what that feels like to lose that joy and then to refind it. Um, and yeah, that was a really special time when we mm-hmm. got everyone dancing. I think there was another time where you came to one of my dance classes and it was outside at RYU. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and the, the cops got, got called. <laughs> <laughs> this was we like 10 in the morning. 10 in yeah. the morning. Yeah, we were having too much fun. And yeah. some neighbor was really upset with the amount of joy we were all having. I mean, I do, in all honesty, I do have a very loud laugh. And the streets do have like this weird reverb that we were on. Like the sound does bounce and amplify. So maybe, maybe it was reasonable, but honestly it was 10 a.m. on like a Sunday. Yeah. You know? It might've even been 11. Like it wasn't that early. Yeah. early. No, it I remember the cops pulled up, they looked at us and I was like, everyone do the dance bigger. And we all like <laughs> looked at the cops and it was the song, shut up and dance. Like I remember it, <laughs> shut up and dance with me. And we just like rocked out. There was like 25 people in that mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the cops laughed and drove away. <laughs> yeah. It would have been great if they joined in and they became part of our dance line. That would have been real funny. That would have been epic. That would have been the icing on the cake. That would have been. Next time. Next time. It was a pretty good memory regardless. (laughs) Exactly. Back in the days when we were allowed to dance in the streets, which will come back again. It'll happen again. You know, we, we need to stay anchored in that possibility of, you know, we're just in a bit of a holding pattern right now. Things are a little bit different. It's an opportunity to adapt and shift and grow and change. And we will get to do those really fun things once again, which I'm excited for. Totally. And sometimes things get taken away so that we can remember. Mm -hmm. So we don't get Mm -hmm. so used to them and we can refine them and remember how special. And I think what we're going to remember is how important human connection, Mm -hmm. movement, dancing, laughing, hugging, community really is for our house yes like sister preaching to the choir (laughs) maybe this is the shake-up we all need Mm -hmm. not maybe it is maybe it is because it's happening (laughs) yeah 
it's happening for us. Yeah. And, you know, I think that can also be applied in a relational setting. Like when a relationship ends or quote unquote gets taken away through an ending, you know, it's, it's really challenging to sometimes see that as though it's happening for us when in reality, like we are always evolving, we're always moving forward. And, you know, you are such a, an anchor for conscious relating. And so in order to move into conscious relating in an ending, we have to remember that this is happening ultimately for our refinement. It might not feel like that in the moment. (laughs) We might be sending out some F-bombs and like, why me? And like, this hurts so bad. And that's all valid. And that's all part of, you know, conscious relating is getting conscious with what is going on inside of ourselves in any stage of relating. So I'd love to begin our conversation there and then kind of flow where we flow into embodiment and movement and how that all weaves together. So awesome. let's start, like what is your relationship to conscious relating and what is, you know, one of the biggest things that you've learned that has been so valuable for you? Oh, those are big, I know <laughs> big questions and I love it. Um, I think what I've learned, I mean, one of the many things that I've learned um, in conscious relating and even in my relationship with my husband, which we have affectionately hashtagged brave love, because let's be honest, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of Mm. bravery to be in a conscious relationship because essentially a conscious relationship means that you're willing to look at your crap Mm -hmm. and you're willing to take responsibility for what comes up and just how many times I catch myself judging him and projecting my stuff on him Mm -hmm. and really in my mind thinking that it's him and then being reminded or being like the smackdown not of He's not smacking me down, but the universal smackdown, the universal (laughs) smackdown of like, Oh, I actually am irritated about him for things that I have not learned to love in myself, Mm. or I'm mad at him for things that I'm mad at myself for. I think that's been a really, really big lesson Mm -hmm. where it's so easy to project our stuff on our partners. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier than to take responsibility for ourselves and to want to like, be like, Oh, like this stuff is, is ugly in them. Right. Like it's shameful or guilt or the, the different emotions that you feel. And then you look at yourself and you're like, Oh, those are the things that I feel. Those are the pieces mm-hmm. that I reject mm-hmm. of myself. And so that's been probably one of my biggest struggles. And Mm. and I think another big thing with conscious relating is to know that a lot of things that you do in relationships are unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Accurate. Mm -hmm. Our programming takes over. Takes over, Mm -hmm. right? The triggers, the programming, the, and where you, you have to be so humble Mm -hmm. to know that like, I'm pretty messed up you know, and I'm doing my best, but I have my moments. I have my days. I have my things that I can't see that are like blind spots until you see them. And then you're like, Whoa, what was I doing? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think like as big general themes, those are two pretty big ones. Um, and being in conscious relationship is both one of like the deepest and most connected and also toughest and hardest mm. and most ugly and painful thing at the same time. You know, it's got, mm. it's like, you're just willing to, I think most, a lot of people have relationships that have a certain bandwidth. Right. We'll go this deep and we'll go this joyful. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like with conscious relationships, you're expanding that bandwidth. Mm-hmm. You have the capacity to go deeper. You have the capacity to reach higher yes. highs and lower lows. And that's, I think, where the courage takes. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that means that you're willing to <clears throat> dig the shit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's so similar to like the stretching that happens in a breakup, like heartache hurts for a reason because it's actually stretching your capacity to feel and to be connected not only to yourself but to the world around you and you know we have to go to those depths and like feel the grit and dance with it and then from that place of connection with all that we are then we can you know move into these new domains of expansion of dancing with possibility and you know, it's, it's a similar sensation. Anytime I've been in a quote unquote conscious relationship, like I feel this constant stretching. Whereas like in unconscious relationships, I just feel it when we break up. Like, <laughs> like my heartbreak is stretching my heart open. And so, you know, it does take a lot of grit. It does take a lot of commitment as well to stay in the game because our conditioning is like, yikes, this is too much. Get me out of here. Like, let me go where it's familiar, where it's safe, where I can kind of contract in on myself and not have to open the portals and open the doorways and gateways for this other human to see the imperfect parts of me. Is so much of, you know, general relating is just a performance. It's like, let's perform for belonging. You know, I've talked about this before on my page, but like it's it's such a big thing where we bring our highlight reel to the table when we first start dating, and then we get into a relationship, and then there's the inevitable fall from grace where we see our partner's humanity and they see ours, and we're like, "E, it's not what I signed up for. Like, where's the perfect person? And like, there is no perfect person. Like, no. even your most like ideal avatar is still human. Maybe. I mean, maybe you're dating aliens. I don't know. But if you're dating I mean, a human. It's 2021. Anything's possible. <laughs> that is the next. Yeah. Yeah. Going from human relating to alien relating. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's like, you make a really good point about this perfect avatar that we often fall in love with. Mm-hmm. We fall in love with the possibility of a yes. person, yes. which is also why sometimes when you've been in a relationship only for a few months or when you have been dreaming about someone or you're at a distance from them and you've created them in your mind, mm-hmm. sometimes those rejections can hurt worse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because you're breaking up from who you thought you were dating, Mm -hmm. which you created to be perfect. 
and yes. you didn't quite get to the part where they're human, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Whereas sometimes longer in relationships, you like see their truth. You yeah. see who they are mm-hmm. and you've had time to process that they're not this ideal magical unicorn mm-hmm. that meets all of your needs and that you're just blissfully happy with all the time. Yeah. I think <laughs> and that's, that's perfect. I think that's a really good point because sometimes in, in the realm of work that I'm in, I think people are drawn to the idea or the concept of conscious loving, conscious partnership, but the part of them that's drawn to it is often their adaptive inner child who is like, oh, if I just find a conscious man or if I just find a conscious woman or if I just find a conscious person, then they will just automatically know how to handle me. They'll just know what to do. And I won't really have to do the vulnerable thing of putting myself out there, of revealing more of my truth, revealing more of my humanity. It'll just like magically work. And like, Mm. that's just not true. And when we come from our functional adult, we come at dating, we come at relationships from a place of being anchored in possibility. Sure. Like, Yes, I want to live into certain possibilities. Absolutely. And I fall in love with the person that you are today, not who you might become. And listen, I'm the first one to admit that I like fall under that spell a lot of, ooh, this person could become this or this or one day or someday, maybe they'll do this. And that is very intoxicating for me. And it's something that I often have to keep a pulse on. Because if I let myself go too far down that rabbit hole, I miss who they are right now. And I'm not Mm. paying attention to, okay, but they have been late for a date every time. Or Mm. five out of the last six dates, they have been late. Like, does that actually work for you? And so we have to start collecting real data, not fictional data, not pretend data, not being off in fantasy land, but like, who are they today? And today does that work for you? Because if today Mm. doesn't work for you, like we're not going to go very far in this relationship, except maybe fantasy land. And then that's going to end in, you know, as you said, like a rupture that is really painful because you're having to come face to face with the fact that you just existed in a fantasy relationship for however long and potentially wasted your own time. Like that's, a painful reality to sit with. It's not pleasurable. <laughs> totally. That is not the pleasure portal right there. No. Um, maybe no. that's the fantasy portal. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting thing of like, who is this person right now? And giving them space to grow mm-hmm. into who they desire to be. And yes. I think one of the greatest things you can find in a partnership, which my husband is not perfect. I mean, you know him. I and do know him. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him. I love him. He's so good. You love him. He's, yeah. a, he's a beautiful human with a really mm-hmm. good heart and his intentions mm-hmm. are really good, but he's not perfect. I'm not either. But one thing that really stood out to me from the beginning was his willingness to take feedback Mm, and mm -hmm. to want to do better and be better, right? So it's like, sure, maybe someone's late a few times, but when you talk to them about it and say, this is something that I need, do they step into that? Mm -hmm. Or do they just Mm -hmm. continue to do that negating your needs and your, because 
I think that even gives you better data. Totally. One foot in reality and where are we? Who is this person? And one foot in what's possible. And is this person willing to grow and to change? And that's actually something that I think Dave is better at than me. Mm. He's better at taking feedback. A lot of his men's work is Mm. calling each other out. Mm -hmm. Really good at that. Mm -hmm. Way better than us women, right? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, tell me how great I am. Tell me how great I am. Totally. Like, sometimes I'm like, you said that to him? What did he Mm -hmm. react like? oh, he took it and he made some changes. I'm like, what? What? That would never work with a woman. (laughs) Totally. But he's practiced that a lot. So that's something that I've really admired about him is his ability to like take the feedback and move forward and Mm -hmm. to try things and just like completely fail. Like some of the stuff he said to me in the beginning of our relationship, I'm like, why would you say that? Even Mm -hmm. now I'm just like, but you know, there's certain things that, you know, sometimes we don't think or we have old programming yeah. or before he met me, he hadn't dated anyone in two years because he was on some, some, some spiritual sabbatical, you know, like mm-hmm. he had his own journey and he was rough around the edges a little. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he had to like learn how to walk. And, and I think that also is probably going to happen and is probably happening mm. right now in the dating world. As people have been pretty isolated. I know for myself, even just emerging into hanging out with people and communicating, sometimes I feel like I'm stumbling over my words or I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit awkward or I'm like, was that Mm -hmm. funny? Was that weird? You know, (laughs) am I? I'm a little bammy here. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Like we're, we're kind of needing to strengthen these muscles that Mm -hmm. we haven't been exercising for a bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that's such an important piece of like their willingness to take feedback. And we also have to look at our willingness to take feedback. Because I think a lot of the time in the dating space, we're so externally focused on the other person. Like, oh, I'm vetting them, which great, vet them. Like, please, please, please do vet them. But also vet yourself. Like, are you someone who upholds the same standard that you're expecting them to naturally be masterful in. And if not, like there's, there's some work there to do. And if you expect your partner to take your feedback, you better be able to take their feedback too. Because when two people come together, especially in a conscious relationship, it is this process of getting to know each other. Like, I don't know this person. They've spent their entire lives with themselves. They know themselves pretty well. Just like I've spent my whole life with myself. I know myself pretty well. And getting to know someone new is also a process of training them in who you are and learning who they are. And there's going to be things about you that kind of irk them. And are we able to be humble enough to receive that feedback, weigh it against our truth? Like if someone asked me, this is going to be a silly example, but like if someone asked me to dye my hair blonde because they only liked blondes, I'd be like, yeah, no, no, I'm not taking that feedback (laughs) because like, I know that that's not me and Mm. I'm not going to feel in my most expansive self. But if someone was like, Hey, I really need you to shift your tone when you ask me, you know, for a favor, like it, it seems a little harsh or critical when you, when you ask for something, 
that is important feedback for me because that is ultimately helping me become a more powerful relator in that relationship, but probably also helpful in all my other relationships. Yeah. And so it is this balance of like, where's that feedback coming from? Is it coming from like this deep, rich place of genuinely wanting to create more connection and union with you? Or is it just superficial and, you know, a little bit critical? Like you have to be able to discern what they're asking you for, but also be receptive to their feedback. And, you know, if we can't do that, at the very beginning, and this is why dating is so important because we're vetting each other. We're seeing like how these two energies, when they collide, how do they dance together? What kind of dance are they doing? Are they dancing at all? Or are they just like tripping over each other? Like These are important distinctions <laughs> to pay attention to when we are first dating. Well, and that's a really good, that's a really good point too. Like not only is it like how we communicate, but how do you feel around that person? What does that dance look like? Is it fluid? Mm -hmm. Does it feel natural to you? Or are mm -hmm. you like trying to fit into a box so that the other person will accept you? Mm -hmm. Are you fully expressed in your dance? And do you feel better yes. after you've danced? Or do you feel drained and more anxious and overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I just had the vision of dancing shocker, right? Because everything to me <laughs> is everything dance. to me can relate to dancing. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, me too. Yeah. So that's a really, really good point when we're vetting partnerships. Mm -hmm. um, and even when we're, you know, you know, even in relationship, when my partner is tired or he's off or he's grumpy, energetically sometimes it does affect me. We live of together. Course. We sleep in the same bed. We're around each other. You know, we've been traveling together. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing I am not him, he is not me. And I have a choice to not be affected, to take mm -hmm. space, to give him space, to clear out my energy and to not have ourselves always, right? Like to yeah. not, to be interdependent but not dependent on one another sure. so it's like yeah. I'm only happy when he's happy I'm only energized when he's energized you know like right. no that's not that's also not a healthy thing it's no. so important and it's so important that we have our own outlets to sure. fill ourselves up that it's not just like each other mm -hmm. plugging into you each know. other eventually like the tanks will be empty if you're only plugging into each other for that sourcing, yeah. like that's pro like really problematic. And that's how a lot of people relate. Like they get into a relationship and their hobbies fall away or their passions fall away or their friends fall away. Like the things that we are committed to when we first meet someone are the things that actually kind of put together our full picture here. That's what makes us vibrant and attractive to the person that, you know, we've captured their interest and they've captured ours. All of those pieces of who you are make up what is being brought to the table at the dating phase. And then we get in like this weird headspace that's highly unconscious. Like it's not a conscious thought that we think, 
Mm-hmm. But as soon as we kind of lock it in and we have a commitment, all of a sudden it's like, okay, set it and forget it. Like how many marriages operate that way? Like once we get to the finish line, which is the wedding, we just set it and forget it. And like, it should just work. Right. And it doesn't. Totally. Because if you're not keeping up with the things that actually bring you to life, then you're going to start sourcing that life force energy through your partner. And eventually that well is going to run dry. And, you know, a big thing for the women that I've worked with is like letting go of their friendships. The second they Mm. find someone that they are even remotely interested in, not even in the relationship yet, like just interested in all of a sudden that person becomes their priority and everything else kind of falls away. And then it changes the polarity in the relational dynamic too. When you are coming at your partner being like, you are the only, like I'm making myself so available and only available to you. Then eventually that kills polarity because we're trying to create too much sameness with them and going out Mm -hmm. and having your friends or your passions or, you know, the things that really bring you to life, hobbies, even that creates some tension. It creates some distance so that that polarity can move and that attraction can stay maintained in a really healthy capacity. Like it's so important. Totally. Not only that, but that puts a lot of pressure on the partnership. Yeah. Like, when someone comes to you and it's like, I'm looking for you for all the things to entertain me, to fit, you know, mm-hmm. fill my needs, to be around me all of the time. That's immediately like, <gasps> like I know my body just goes, <gasps> like tenses up. And it's a lot of pressure to put on mm-hmm. someone. Absolutely. Um, and that's an important thing to remember too, is that no, no one person is ever going to meet all of your needs. Mm-hmm. This idea that we just meet this one person and like, that is it. Your life is set is not true. Yeah. You need friendships. You mm. need other outlets. You need other relationships. I'm not saying romantic, whether, you know, or sexual, it, yeah. or sexual, you know, if yeah. it's, if you're a poly, that's great too. But, um, if you're monogamous, awesome. Um, all the things, mm-hmm. but we need different out- outlets, even yes. in monogamous relationships. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is probably one of, yeah, the greatest mistakes that people make. Yeah. And I mean, what you said too, with your clients, not just for you, but for them, mm-hmm. like give them some space, give them mm-hmm. some space to still be themselves yes. and to have freedom and autonomy. And mm-hmm. I've definitely seen women in my life as well, um, especially because, you know, I tend to have closer female friends and mm-hmm. um, I work with a lot of female clients as well. And, and when they do get really wrapped up, it's, it's like usually things unfold pretty quickly from there and fall yeah. apart. Yeah. And they're like, why did that just happen? Mm-hmm. So that's a really good point to always have your own outlets, always mm-hmm. have your own friendships, your mm-hmm. own things that you're working on, your own passions. Yes. That's yes that's why this person was attracted to you in the first place. Mm -hmm. Don't Mm -hmm. let go of the things that they were attracted to you because they will lose that attraction. hundred percent. And you, you for them, you think you want to be around them all the time, but then once you are, 
you've lost all of the things that you actually find attractive about them. And then you wonder why I'm not attracted to this person. You're like, oh, they fart. Oh, gross. (laughs) Yeah. Like you used to, you used to like to do X, Y, and Z and now you don't. Like, why not? uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such an important piece to stay connected to. And I think we are at like such a beautiful point in time where there is opportunity and there is space to invest into what brings you to life. And a lot of, especially during the pandemic, people got like literally stuck in this holding pattern with them, with them, like you are with you all day, every day. Are you digging it? Do you like, like who you've become? Do you like who you are? Do you like what you bring to the table? And, you know, not to to minimize some of the genuine challenges of the pandemic and being isolated, but there's also this element of, well, since I am me with me right now, what could I do to enhance my relationship with myself? Like, in what ways am I framing my reality? In what ways am I dancing with myself, either physically or metaphorically? Like, how can I be with me in a way that feels so good to be with? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there is a, an opening, an opportunity here for that exploration to happen. And as you said, like earlier on, like the importance of connection, the importance of hugs and movement and laughter, like these are all things that I can cultivate with myself in my home. Like I can connect with me. I laugh at myself all the time. Or if I, if I'm not finding myself particularly funny one day, I will put on something that makes me laugh. And I have connection with other people, even if I'm not physically seeing them. Like this is connection. I feel very connected to you. It's like you're so not close to where I am right now, but I feel like you're right in front of me. And, you know, voice memoing has become such a a wonderful staple between me and my Mm. girlfriends where we are talking about the things that we want to create and generate And then speaking about the things we want to manifest as though they've already happened. And that immediately creates connection within my system, but it can also creates connection between me and whoever I'm talking to. And even if we're not physically together and then touch has been, you know, upgraded in terms of self touch, like how often am I intentionally touching my body? Am I intentionally holding myself or have I outsourced that? to other people, the majority of my life. So we're going to get a lot of data there. And, mm. you know, we got to work with the reality right now, even though it might not be one that we would choose out of our free will. Like this is the reality that we're in. So let's, let's make the most of it. Let's play with the pieces that we can control and like really lean into those elements that bring us to life. And, mm. you know, whether that's picking up a book that is on a topic that you feel passionate about or listening to a podcast or just putting on a bomb ass playlist and shaking your ass all over your house. Like there's which is so, what you which like, is what you did just before did. you came on. I did. Yeah. This is why I was a little flustered before our podcast. <laughs> I was 
like, oh, I'm talking to Brooke today. Brooke is all about movement and dance. She's probably dancing right now. I'm going to start my day with dance. And so I put on a playlist and I just started moving, dancing, some nonlinear movement. I did not set a timer, which was my, my mistake here. Um, I was really in my feminine. I didn't really have much of masculine structure at play here this morning. And then I looked at my clock. I'm like, oh, shit. 45 minutes before we <laughs> off on this call. And now I'm real sweaty and I need to go shower and get ready. And so like just being in those elements and like giving yourself permission, like yeah. I get to say how my day is going to go. So why not start it with some pleasure? Why not start it with some movement? Why not start it with some connection? However, that makes sense to me today. And mm. I'm, I'm really curious for you especially during this last year, like how has your relationship to movement not only shifted or changed, but how has it been the anchor for you? Ooh, good questions. Good question. Um, so it's interesting because it's interesting how people see you and how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. And, so for the last five years, I've ran a company teaching dance in schools and I have yeah. a whole team of instructors, but in the process of building that company and teaching the programs, um, like a classic entrepreneur, the first year I taught everything myself and I built the company. And then the second year I brought on five instructors and taught a lot of the, the programs myself and built as well as building the company and I hit a huge burnout. Mm -hmm. So the last few years have been me unpacking that, yes. delegating, not teaching and trying not to dance as much as possible mm -hmm. because that was part of what, I mean, dancing in that way, teaching a dance sure. fitness, high energy program to kids. Mm -hmm. But what in that process I did was also disconnect from movement and dance mm -hmm. And, um, so a big part of this pandemic has been to reclaim that, mm -hmm. to reclaim dance for pleasure, to reclaim my mm -hmm. self-connection, yes. to reclaim what I give so many other people, mm -hmm. but because I was doing it 30 hours a week, it burnt me out like anything. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. and when you do something as a job, sometimes, right. Well, as a business, but mm -hmm. like that, sometimes you lose the connection to it as pleasure. Yes. And you hear this a lot with artists or who, with creatives who all of a sudden it now becomes how they pay their bills and they can yes. lose the passion. And so the pandemic really brought me back. I had been wanting to start dancing again as healing. I'd been wanting mm. to start working with women to connect them to their bodies and, and their sexuality and their sensuality and their feminine through movement and dance. But I didn't have the energy or the time mm. And then when the pandemic hit and everything was, my business was on pause. I, yeah. It was kind of in a coma is the right. way I looked at it because it's still operating, but at a very limited capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't for a little while there. Mm -hmm. And I all of a sudden had all this space and I was like, what am I going to do with this space? And I gave myself so much space to listen to music, to move my body, to remember what it felt like to, to listen and to flow and to, to reclaim that part of me. And I started like teaching classes as well, 
but dancing for sure was one of my staples. And my husband was like, whoa. And it brought like many things. When you do things at a pleasure, it started to bring me so much more energy. Mm-hmm. And my husband was like, wow, like I, you know, got together with you and married you kind of at half capacity because you've been <laughs> so tired, but you've come alive. Yeah. Like, who is this I goddess? Love I love you now, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been really really healing for me Mm. and even the other night um, I'm here in Costa Rica and there was a DJ I know and we were outside on the beach there's a few of us there wasn't many people dancing not this this is a different story Kels (laughs) (laughs) and um there was maybe like five of us and we Mm -hmm. were pretty spread out don't worry, people. And um, it was just raw. It was like jungle house beats. Mm. And I'm like, I just like went right into my body this a few days ago. And I was just dancing, like blasted open with movement. And I kept holding onto my heart. And I'd look at my mm. friends. I'm like, I'm so happy right now. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Like it just like that remembrance in my body of how much I love moving. Um, and even more like in the sand and in nature. And there's just something so healing about it. I really feel like we had danced before we had language. Mm. We had, we communicate. I mean, if you've ever, well, I know you've traveled and for whoever's listening, when you travel, it's like, and you can't speak the same language. There's a certain commonality of body language of smiling mm-hmm. of connecting and oh I'm so sorry about that that's okay you're good you're good <laughs> smiling moving the common you know energies when you travel like that is such a a real thing like this is why some of the most romantic movies are between two people who do not speak the same language but they speak the same same language of the body and their bodies are communicating what their words can't. And like you bring such an important remembrance and point forward with that. Like, mm, I love it so, so much. Totally. And you look at every culture in the world and every culture in the world has dance. Yeah. It's a different dance. Mm-hmm. It's only in North America, really, that we've made it this Olympic sport. That unless you're on So You Think You Can Dance, because we do that to everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Unless you're on So You Think You Can Dance, you're not actually a dancer. But everywhere on the planet, you know, I spend a lot of time in Africa and different Mm -hmm. places. It's like they hear music and they're just like, here I am. And it's such an activation Mm -hmm. of pleasure. It's Mm -hmm. such an activation. It's the core. You put music on in any kid under the age of five before they've been taught Yes. Really under the age of like eight. Yes. I've worked with hundreds of thousands. I've worked with hundreds of thousands of kids at this point. Mm. Under the age of eight, music yeah. comes on and they're like, yeah, here we go. It's just mm-hmm. like instant activation of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere along the way, we became self-conscious. We yeah. started overthinking it and we shut that down. Mm. So it's yeah. such a remembrance of such pleasure. Such a remembrance. And freedom. if you were... If you were to give like advice to someone who is ready to reclaim pleasurable movement or dancing for themselves, what, what would you want them to know? 
A big, I think, hmm, there's a few things. Perfect. Give them all. When, <laughs> when you're moving your body, so often we try to do, in life, we're always trying to do things right. Mm-hmm. Get, right? And when we're growing up, it's like, get the right grades, hang out with the right people, do the right thing, marry the right person, get the right mm-hmm. job. We're trying to do things right. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest mistake of our lives right there. Mm-hmm. And in movement and, and dance, the thing that I see people trip up the most is that they're trying to get it right. So they're really in their head. Right. Right. And if they're in a class and they're trying to look at, you know, it's like five, six, seven, eight, do it again. Mm-hmm. Five, and it's versus just moving your body and realizing mm-hmm. that you can't, you can't actually get it wrong. Like that's, yeah. it's your body. You can't move your body wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you put on music, just allowing your body to guide you and, and not letting, or when you hear that voice come up, cause it will, mm-hmm. and being like, am I doing this right? Do I look weird? What is this? And even if you're doing it on your own, these things come up, realizing that you can't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And realizing that even if other people saw, people are way more self-conscious of what they look like. They're not actually judging you. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're thinking about themselves. <laughs> yeah. And if they're judging you, it's because they're judging themselves. It's just their yeah. own reflection. Yeah. And, you know, you can't make anyone else you know, happy. So may as one of you may as well be happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a great one. Um, just putting music on and letting, trying different types of music is a big one. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we, we gravitate towards one type of music, but you know, listen to try different types of music from different parts of the world, different genres, Mm -hmm. because it'll bring out different styles of movement. Mm -hmm. And then Oh, I just had another really good. I mean, there's so many things. But <laughs> I just had another really good one. And then it, um, even doing things like touching your body as you move. Yes. And putting movement. So sometimes when we're moving and when we're dancing, we get really stuck into like we all have our go-to moves. Mm-hmm. Or we all like maybe some of us women are more like we're in our hips some people more dance in their shoulders mm-hmm. as a good as like start to dance start to move and see where your body kind of keeps reverting to and try mm-hmm. to put the beat try to put the movement into a different part of your body part of seeing what happens yes oh my so, gosh I love that yeah. I just want to go do that now <laughs> put on some music I've never danced to before. And then my go-to moves, move them to a different part of my body. Yes. So, in that's going to be my, my new pleasure practice for this week. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love that so, so much. You're okay. Welcome. Pleasure practice. Yes. Yeah. So good. So, so good. Speaking of pleasure, I feel like it's time for us to uh, go into our rapid fire pleasure questions here. <laughs> which is my, one of my favorite things. Um, okay. So how does relationship with pleasure look in your daily life? Mm. So I start my day every day doing something pleasurable. So going for walks along the beach, putting music on and dancing, journaling, 
it's like the first few hours of a book thing to mind, usually around 11 or noon <laughs> Amazing. as an entrepreneur. So it's the number one priority to set my energy, to get into my body and to, to make my day pleasurable and doing things like drinking. Today I was drinking um, like a ginger drink out of a wine glass and we bought the most beautiful flowers at the market mm. and just being mindful of how I can add more pleasure to my day mm. mm-hmm. because that's how we tap into our feminine and we ignite our senses. Yes. And when we are, when our feminine is activated, that is the magic. That yes. is our magic. That's where we manifest from. That's mm-hmm. where we create from. That's where we, you know, attract people into our lives, clients, opportunities, money, all of it. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just reminded me of something one of my old mentors used to say. She was like, if you want to have a breakthrough in your life, go clean your closet or go clean the trunk of your car or take out the garbage, like beautify your space in a way that moves the energy so that you can activate what's really true for you. And Mm. I think that's such a good reminder, especially like my house has been set up the same way for a couple of years now. And I've been feeling this pull to rearrange everything. And that is very much like this feminine energy of like birthing new life into the space. I'm not adding new stuff in maybe a plant or two, but like, I'm just moving it and getting rid of stuff that like the stagnant energy and playing with the things that feel good. So I love that you just shared that. Mm, so, so I good. That. Um, what is one thing that is an instant turn on for you? Mm. Someone like passion, passion, hundred percent. Mm. Mm-hmm. My husband is like in his passion, in his masculine doing the, but like doing the thing that he loves. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Or someone else doing what they love. It's a turn on for sure. I love it. Um, What is the greatest lesson you've learned about pleasure? That it's up to me to cultivate it. Mm. It's not for anyone else to give to me. Um, It's definitely something that I need to consciously add into my life, make a priority, um, and take it in, like really be present. It's not something that can just be on your to-do list, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Uh, what are you most turned on about in your life right now? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I'm, I'm super turned on... I'm very turned on about some of the programs that I'm creating that bring in like dance and movement and helping Mm -hmm. women really activate their bodies through movement and Mm -hmm. dance. It's been really just inspiring me. I'm like channeling and journaling. And so I feel like that's been really turning me on as well as living at the beach in 30 degree Mm -hmm. weather. It's pretty, you know, and being able to like dance in the sand and connect Mm -hmm. to nature. Mm -hmm. That combo is pretty spectacular. And watching sunsets every day. 
as you were saying, like being turned on by nature, literally a crow started squawking outside of my, my house. <laughs> it was like, yeah, <laughs> we agree. <laughs> All right. Final question. <laughs> if you could whisper a nugget of pleasure wisdom to 13 year old you, what would you tell her? Mm. Wow. I would tell her to trust in her knowing that dance is supposed to be pleasurable because that was probably the age and that was around the age where dance, where we started, I took dance classes and we got into the competition Mm. aspect and there became a lot more and competition was pretty fun but it became a lot more pressure it became a lot more about how I looked what we did who was the best dancer and there was a part of me that would always like goof off in class and I'd get in trouble and Mm -hmm. and I just was like but dance is supposed to be fun right Right. like yeah exactly why are we taking this so seriously and just to just to say like keep doing that it's Mm -hmm. okay Brooke, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this conversation today. I feel so nourished and inspired and turned on. And I feel like we could just like keep jamming for forever. And I also want to honor your time and want want to honor everyone else's time listening. So obviously people are going to want to know where you are in the world and like how they can work with you and how they can follow you and how they can know you. So where, where do you hang out the most? Where can people find you? What are some of the offerings that you've got on the horizon here? Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was, I love you. And I love her. (laughs) I love her chats. I love connecting Mm -hmm. with you. I love dancing with you. I love all of it. Um, so my website is brookyancey.com. You can check out all my offerings there. I also hang out on Facebook and Instagram, Brooke Jillian Yancey. And I have a, a Facebook group called Ignite Your Fire. And it's really, I, one of my main things and one of the things that I love the most on the planet is helping women reconnect to their feminine and reconnect to their bodies in all aspects Mm -hmm. of their life, Mm -hmm. whether it be in relationships, whether it be discovering their passion, whether it be healing their body or bringing more of the feminine energy into their business Mm -hmm. so that it can be more magnetic, more magical, more fun, more pleasurable. So I do, I have a few different programs. I have a year long mastermind and I do, I work with one-on-one clients to do this. So you can check out my offerings on my website, um, as well as follow one of my social media accounts or come play in my Facebook group. Incredible. I will make sure all of those links are in the show notes so that they're easy to access and Brooke is easy to find. And thank you so, so much. You are a ray of light and sunshine in my life, but also in the world. And I'm so honored and grateful to know you and love you. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I feel the same way. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Bye, friends. Bye.